Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you now can read me on foxsports.com and the new Fox Sports app. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. In order to set up the topic of this episode, which is, yes, the bonus episode that I promised you, a little bit late, but nonetheless a bonus, uh, this episode is about why fans really shouldn't get as hot and bothered about their team landing the number one pick in an NBA draft as they do. A topic inspired by my conversations with a half dozen GMs this past week about the 2019 draft involving Zion Williamson and John Morant. So to set it up, I want to do a simple exercise. Here we go. It's pretty simple. I just want you to think about, in a perfect world, which player you would want Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball Zion Williamson or John Morant DeAndre Ayton or Luka Doncic Markel Fultz or Jason Tatum Ben Simmons or and this is your choice Brandon Ingram or Jalen Brown Andrew Wiggins or and again you can take your pick Joel Embiid Julius Randle Zach Levine, or I'll even throw in Marcus Smart. The first name I gave was the number one pick in six of the last seven drafts prior to the most recent one. The jury is still out on Cade Cunningham versus Jalen Green and everyone else in the 2021 draft. I also skipped over the 2015 draft with number one pick Carl Anthony Towns because that illustrates a separate point altogether. The second, and in a couple of cases, the third and fourth names I gave you were players taken later in the same draft. The point being, a better player, or at the very least equally valuable player, was taken later in every one of those drafts. As noted in my piece for FoxSports.com, five out of six GMs said if there was a redraft today, they would take John Morant over Zion Williamson. 
Anthony Edwards has a chance to be really, really good. But LaMelo Ball has transformed the Charlotte Hornets and crushed Edwards in Rookie of the Year voting. DeAndre Ayton is a very good player, and I expect one day will be an all-star. But Luka Doncic already is a two-time all-star and perennial MVP candidate. Fultz versus Jason Tatum doesn't even require discussion. The list of players you take today over Fultz from that draft includes Bam Adebayo, Donovan Mitchell, Lonzo Ball, and De'Aaron Fox. From a talent standpoint, not that long ago, Ben Simmons might have been the exception, but his complete failure to develop a jump shot and offensive arsenal in a jump-shooting, offensively-oriented league has dropped him behind Ingram, Brown, Jamal Murray, DeMontis Sabonis, and I'd even argue Malcolm Brogdon. Before you fall back on the, well, if GMs weren't so dumb, the best player would go first in more drafts. Before you do that, read my piece on foxsports.com. Or simply keep listening here, because it's not stupidity that inspires the decisions that are made with the number one pick. It's survival. There was not one GM I spoke with about Zion Williamson going first over John Morant that didn't say the issues that have both currently put Zion on the shelf and created a ruckus in New Orleans over his uncertain intentions to stay there were well known around the league. They knew he had trouble controlling his weight. They knew that his family was very involved in his business. They knew that his skill set beyond attacking the rim was limited. Some also threw out a few things that surprised me about him being aloof with his teammates. That somewhat surprised me considering his personality. Then again, I'm trying to think of moments where I saw him and his Pelican teammates engage the way I've seen Ja with his Grizzly teammates. I can't recall any, but I'm not going to buy into that part of the scouting report until I see some clear-cut evidence of it. But it does bear watching. And then there's 2015, when Carl Anthony Towns went first. I'd argue that Cat hasn't been everything he was expected to be. Yes, I'd say he's proved to be the best player in that draft. Yes, he's been a two-time All-Star, although the last time was several years ago. Yes, his numbers are off the charts. But haven't we seen this before in Minnesota with Kevin Love? I have the same question of Towns that I had of Love or of Anthony Davis when he was in New Orleans. If a guy is averaging 20-plus points and 10-plus rebounds and his team isn't sniffing the playoffs, how much is that player doing beyond getting his individual numbers? Franchise cornerstones don't just get theirs. They create buckets for everybody else, too. They get their numbers at the most important times of the game to swing momentum or to close out a win. That's the other catch to having the number one pick. Sometimes it's in a draft that just doesn't have a team transforming talent. And it's awfully hard to predict a year in advance whether or not it's going to be one of those kind of drafts. Certainly the 2015 draft wasn't expected to be one of them. Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Jaleel Okafor, and Kristaps Porzingis were all highly touted going into that draft. Porzingis was labeled a unicorn after his first season with the Knicks. This, after Knicks fans, Stephen A. Smith among them, absolutely shredded their team for taking him. They hoped to get Jaleel Okafor, who went third. See how that turned out. 
They were unhappy that the Knicks didn't then go with Emmanuel Moutier or Justice Winslow. Why? Because they were better known. Okafor and Winslow were at Duke. Moutier had opted to go to China, where he averaged 18-6-6, while Porzingis was some Latvian coming from the Spanish League, where he'd never averaged better than 12-3-4. And that's points, rebounds, and assists for both of them. That's why one GM in my story said, NBA owners, this is a cautionary tale. Actually, he was referring to Zion versus Ja. That it was a cautionary tale that NBA owners should stay off the internet before any draft. Because that's where you find a host of amateur experts via mock drafts and social media suggesting who the top talent is. And when all those voices are saying basically the same thing, it's hard to ignore. It takes either an extremely secure decision maker, like a Pat Riley or a Greg Popovich, or one that doesn't give a hoot about what the public thinks, like Phil Jackson, who was responsible for taking Porzingis. If you look around, there are very few GMs who have reason to feel that secure, especially in today's NBA, when owners are more involved than ever. One current GM told me that 10 years ago, when he was an assistant, he worked for a GM who had pretty much a free hand to make decisions. Fast forward seven years, and he found himself working for a team where everything had to be run by the owner, down to who they were hiring as an assistant masseuse. It's not as if today's owners are any more fluent or knowledgeable about the NBA and NBA caliber talent. The difference is that today's legion of owners are far wealthier, in translation, far more successful in their primary business or businesses, and they paid far more to have a team in the NBA. The result? GMs are on a much shorter leash and have to defend what they want to do against that public chorus. Because the popular choice projects as the better money-making choice. So, in the case of Zion, the overwhelming public favorite to be number one, a GM can believe Ja will ultimately prove to be the better, safer choice. But does he want to risk his job making that decision? Even if Ja ends up the better player, as I would argue he has, if he doesn't sell season tickets and corporate sponsorships the second he's selected, as Zion did, and Ja, for all his success, has not, the GM may still have his owner questioning the decision. And if Ja doesn't prove to be the better player, then that GM looks like an idiot and possibly is out of work because, well, the entire world knew who the first pick should be. Look at David Griffin of the Pelicans. The buzz in the NBA right now is that he's a dead man walking, in part because Zion not only has not delivered, but is supposedly not happy with him. That's why I said years ago that for all the success that LeBron James has guaranteed the teams he's been with, I wouldn't want to be his GM because I'd be at his mercy. I'd have to make sure he approved of what I was doing. Now, it was easy for me to say that at the time because it was an imaginary situation. I'm sure if I was actually in position to be his GM and that was my chance to be a GM, I couldn't say no. It's why Griff once said that being, in the, the, being the GM for the Cavs 
was a miserable experience, and he won a championship. But between LeBron and Dan Gilbert, one of the aforementioned uber-wealthy, highly involved owners, he had to serve two masters. Two masters that also happened not to get along. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you really think Gilbert wanted to trade the number one pick, Wiggins, for Kevin Love? Or that Griffin thought that was the best move for the long-term success of the franchise and his future with it? It worked out because they ended up winning a ring, but it also led them to where they are today. Not that Wiggins would have saved them from their subsequent years of futility, but assuredly, if you were trading the number one pick, you'd hope to get more than love. And they had to give up a second future first round pick along with Wiggins to do it. I don't know if any of you can relate in your job, but... Imagine if your performance was based on what you produced, but the projects you worked on were not your choice, and the decisions you made in executing that project were not made by you. You were just responsible for the results. Say you were a sales manager in a car dealership, and you were told which cars you should order, how you should price them, and how many you had to sell. And you were expected to have the top-selling dealership in the business. Look up the Volkswagen Phaeton or the Pontiac Aztec, for examples. I don't say any of this to suggest that you should feel sorry for NBA GMs. I say this to suggest that if a GM manages to stay in his job a long time, he's probably learned to appease his owner and dodge responsibility for anything that doesn't work out. And how do you do that? Well, avoiding having the number one pick is one way. And if you do happen to get the number one pick, you make the popular choice, not necessarily the one that your scouts and your own intuition tell you is the right move. You pick Zion over Ja. You pick Fultz over Jason Tatum or Bam Adebayo or Donovan Mitchell. You take Wiggins over Julius Randle or Zach Levine. Another element working against a GM, taking the player he considers the best in any particular draft with the number one pick, is the star that he may already have on his roster. This goes all the way back to 1984 when the Portland Trailblazers passed on Michael Jordan to take Sam Bowie because they already had an all-star shooting guard in Clyde Drexler. So they took the next best big man, or popular big man, not the best player available. At least one GM insists that he would have taken Ja over Zion because he was number one on their board back in 2019. 2019. But that's because they were ready to move on from their point guard. Griffin wasn't ready to do that with Drew Holiday, who's Performance for the Milwaukee Bucks suggests that Griffin was not wrong in believing he already had a championship-caliber point guard. 
The Phoenix Suns took Aiton with the number one pick because they already had Devin Booker and had taken Josh Jackson the year before with the fourth overall pick. Taking another ball-dominant perimeter player like Doncic or Trey Young would have been a hard sell, especially with Aiton already a local star at the University of Arizona, someone who owner Robert Sarver was undoubtedly more familiar with and aware of than some kid from Europe or a little guard from Oklahoma. And who would instantly sell more tickets? Luxury suites. So why not take the best player with the first pick and trade him? Again, the financial part rears its head. The ability to sell a fan and corporate base on the number one pick, whoever it is, before they ever step onto an NBA court, is far easier than the second or third pick, even if you're getting additional talent and assets. Chances are, a team with the number one pick wasn't winning a whole lot of games or selling a whole lot of anything the previous season. It takes an owner who trusts his GM and is willing to play the long game to forfeit the instant cash cow that a number one pick can be. And again, if your gambit to defy popular logic doesn't work out for whatever reason, you face the backlash of, what were you thinking? Whereas, if you take the consensus number one pick and it doesn't work out, the second guessing isn't going to be quite as loud and at least you enjoyed a financial windfall. And that second guessing is louder than ever thanks to social media, 24-hour sports talk radio, and all of the debate shows that you find on TV. There's nothing wrong with hoping to get the number one pick. If you're a fan going through a miserable season with your team, it's nice to dream about getting the next LeBron or Derrick Rose, or Shaquille O'Neal, or Allen Iverson. But there's a reason all of those picks happened more than 10 years ago. We're now looking at this string of number one picks since 2013. Again, leaving Cade Cunningham out of it. They are Anthony Bennett, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, DeAndre Ayton, Zion, and Anthony Edwards. Unless your GM knows what he is doing, and your owner trusts him enough to let him do his job, chances are that number one pick is not going to deliver on all that hoping and dreaming you devoted to it. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And in the next episode, as of right now, I'm planning on talking about the two teams from the various conferences, not various, Eastern and Western, that have proved themselves, based on the people that I'm talking to in the league, as the best teams that we have seen so far. And not just because they got a hot start, but projecting forward teams that a lot of people in the NBA believe have a great chance to be competing for the title. They are two teams that may have been considered in the conversation, but were on the fringe. They are not now. I'll get to that in the next episode. In the meantime, as always, 
Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.